Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's going on here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. You know, all across our country tonight, people are celebrating just as we are. Different churches have different styles in which they uh, choose to celebrate. One year we had a big band Christmas. I don't know how many of you remember that. We had a country Christmas one year. And how about these strings this year? Do you love those? They're very beautiful. I remember hearing about a very liturgical church. I don't know how many of you grew up in that kind of a church, very high church, liturgical. And the, the pastor wanted to involve some of the kids in their Christmas Eve service, so he picked out this one little boy. He said, this is gonna be a very special moment in the service. I'm going to do a little uh, singing, a little incantation, and then at that point, that's your cue. I want you to light up this uh, incense and bring it down the aisle. It's gonna be an incredible, powerful moment in the service, and you're gonna be a big part of that. So the little boy kind of dialed it in. He was excited about it. And so he went to the back and so he lit the candle under the incense pot and he waited for his cue. Well, the service went a little long. Sometimes they do. And so the pastor was uh, trying to move it along as quickly as he could, but it went a little long. And finally it got to that point in the service where they're gonna have that moment. And so the pastor saying this, uh, this, this powerful word and the little boy doesn't show up. So the pastor raises his voice a little and he sings again and still no little boy, he doesn't show up. So the pastor thought, well, I better kind of, you know, give him a better cue. And he said, where is the boy with the incense pot? And from the back of the auditorium, this little voice was heard to say, he blew out the candle when the handle got hot. (laughs) Well, sometimes that happens in a church. But I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're a part of this. And I read an interesting uh, article this last week in preparation for this night. It was saying that people nationwide were surveyed and asked, what is the one thing that you would want most at Christmas time more than any other thing? What is that one thing? What would that one thing be? And the, the, the majority of the people responded said, I would like to have peace, peace. Some of them said, I would like to have peace within myself. I'm going through some depression and I'm dealing with issues and my mind is twisted and torn. And and if I could just have, if I could just have peace, just peace within myself where I could sleep well at night and where I could just function during the day. If If I had anything in the world, that's what I would want. Another respondent said, I'd like to have peace in my relationship. We fight a lot. We don't get along much. And I tell couples all the time, man, when you get married, marriage is the end of your trouble, but it's the front end. (laughs) And they tend to fight a lot. And he said, look, if I could do anything in the world to help my marriage and if I could fix this in some way, I just wish we we just had more peace in our our marriage. Another one responded and said, well, the kids, you know, they're, they're giving me all kinds of grief right now. They're just kind of going their own way and they're kind of breaking my heart. It's like that woman that was at that stage in life and they said to her, a friend said, hey, if you could do it all over again, would you still have kids? She said, yeah, maybe not the same ones. (laughs) Well, they responded by saying, look, if I could just have, if I could have peace, if we could just get along as a family, 
Another one responded and said, man, I've got peace in my finances. <laughs> I'm just so, there's just more month than money. I just, I'm so stressed about the financial situation in my company and my business and my work. And it was just amazing as I read and people colored their story and how it all came back to that theme. If I just had, I just had more peace, more peace. And I think it's interesting that this time of the year, we talk a lot about that. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. It's a desire, it's a prayer, it's a hope. And tonight in the few moments we have together, I wanna tell you it's something that can be attained. It is possible for you to have walked into this room in turmoil and walk out of this room with peace. I contend tonight that you will never really have peace if you don't have a meaningful connection with your creator. Because he is the source and the substance of peace. In fact, the Bible calls him in Romans 15, the God of peace. One of the reasons Jesus came into this world, as we'll see in a moment, he came into this world to be the prince of peace. And again, I don't know that you can really have lasting peace if you don't know the prince of peace. That issue is not resolved in your religion. You may be very religious tonight. You may be very irreligious tonight. It hasn't really anything to do with anything. It's not really peace, it's not really found in your level of success or financial success that you attain in life, and I I hope you do well and I hope you're successful, but that won't bring you lasting peace. I contend tonight that the only thing that brings lasting peace to a person is when they're in the right relationship with their creator and they understand for the first time the power of his peace. In fact, in John 14, Jesus said to his disciples, My peace I give you. My peace I leave to you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. He said, so let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Can I tell you tonight, the peace of God, the peace with God is available tonight. You you may have come into this room without it, you can leave with it. It is a free gift. It is something that he offers to you tonight. In fact, during this series, we've been exploring an incredible prophecy that talks about the power of the coming of the Messiah. The prophecy is Isaiah 9, verse 6. It was given 740 years before that first Christmas morning. I told him one weekend, that's getting those birth announcements out pretty early, wouldn't you say? 740 years. And the, and the prophet opens with this line. He says, for unto us a child is born. That's what we celebrate, right? <laughs> you celebrate the baby in the manger. We celebrate the infinite who became an infant. We celebrate the incarnation of Christ. Carnus is flesh. To be incarnate is to be made flesh. The Bible says the word was God and the word was with God and the word came and tabernacled, dwelt among us. He became one of us. So 740 years before that happened, Isaiah said, a child will be born. (laughs) That's the Bethlehem story. Unto us, he said, a son will be given. Now he moves from Bethlehem and he moves now to Jerusalem and he's obviously talking about the crucifixion. The child born would become a son that is given. Reminds me of John 3.16 where he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, a son given. 
that whosoever should believe in him would never perish but have everlasting life. So Isaiah, 740 years before Jesus breaks on the scene, said, he will come and he will be a child born. He will be a son given. And then he prophesied about something that has not yet happened. He said the government will be on his shoulders. Now that's referring, in my estimation, to the millennial reign of Jesus on the earth, that thousand year period of time when Jesus Christ will reign on the earth and the government of this world will be on his shoulders. The Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's going to happen one day. That hasn't happened yet. So the practical application in my estimation of how I apply that is I want the government, the control, if you will, of my life to be on his shoulders. I want him to be the Lord, the leader of my life. So I realize and recognize and embrace the idea that he was a child born and a son given, but I want to surrender the control of my life to him. I've told you before, God loves you more than you love you. You might not die for you, but he did. And by the way, he wants for you only what you would want for you if you just knew what he knows. <laughs> so he can be trusted. And he went on in Isaiah 9, 6 to say, and this is what they will call his name. They will call his name Wonderful. Wonderful. And can I tell you tonight, if you've ever encountered him and you've ever experienced him and you've ever seen Jesus work in your life, you have to step back and agree with Isaiah and say, he's wonderful. <laughs> he's wonderful in the forgiveness of my sin. He's wonderful in that he answers my prayer. He's wonderful in the fact that he cannot fail. He's wonderful in the fact that he will not fail. He's wonderful. Isaiah said he's wonderful. He said he's a counselor. <laughs> you ever needed advice? <laughs> you ever needed someone to really tell you what you needed to do and you just couldn't find the right counsel it seems? The Bible says you have a counselor. You have someone living within you in the presence of the Holy Spirit who will use God's word as a guide and he will guide you and he will direct you and he will counsel you in all things. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will counsel you by what he holds you back from doing. <laughs> Sometimes he will counsel you in how he releases you to go do something you should be doing. So it's relying on his counsel. So he is a wonderful counselor. Isaiah said he's a mighty God. He's mighty. Think about the fact that there is absolutely nothing he cannot do. You've never brought one situation to him and had him scratch his head and say, I don't know how we're gonna do this. handle this. I'll have to get back with you. Listen, he's mighty in the sense that there's no sin he cannot forgive. He's mighty in the sense that there's no problem he cannot solve. He's mighty in the sense that there's no burden he cannot lift. I don't care what you brought in here tonight, he's mighty. He can do it, he can handle it. So, he's wonderful, he's a counselor, he's a mighty God, but get this, he's an everlasting father. You get that familial relationship, not just seeing him and being awestruck by him as God, but you see him in a different dimension, he, he's a father, he's a parent. He loves you, he cares for you. He hears you when you cry, he knows your need. In fact, the Bible says he has knowledge of your needs even before you ask. He's an everlasting father. And then tonight we'll close by thinking about this, he's the prince of peace. What is it I said most people desire more than anything else at this time? Peace. And Isaiah said this one that is coming into the world is coming as the, as the prince of peace. It's incredible when Jesus was talking to his disciples and they were troubled about him leaving. He said to them, he said, let not your hearts be troubled. 
What are you stressed up about? Can I stop long enough to ask you tonight, what are you stressed about? (laughs) Are you stressed about something? Did you walk into this room stressed about something? Maybe it's all the family at your house tonight. That stress you up just a tick? You remember Martha and Mary when they had Jesus drop in on them? Listen, I don't care. Most of us knew the family were coming, right? We had time to prepare. And I love what that old saying is, a true happiness is a large, loving, caring family in another city. Isn't that true? Isn't that sweet? Anyway, don't get me in trouble. The point is, uh, 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 Jesus drops in on Martha and Mary. And it's a beautiful story because Mary sits at his feet and she says, tell me about what you've been doing, the ministry you've been, and Jesus, oh man, I healed this guy and I touched this guy and I changed his life and I put that relationship back together. And he's just sharing all the amazing things that are going on. Martha's not there. She's in the kitchen stressed out. She's trying to get something prepared. She's trying to get a sandwich. She's trying to, I mean, after all, Mr. Perfect just showed up. I didn't clean the house. So she's in there trying to get something for Jesus to eat. And finally, I love the narrative where she looks out there exasperated at Mary and she says to him, Jesus, Jesus, would you tell Mary to come help me? And man, when you read the little story, it's incredible. And you don't get inflection when you read the Bible, but I kind of think it might've gone like this. I think Jesus looked at her and said, Martha, Martha, bless your heart. Come in here, darling, just sit down. That's, now that's loosely translated, but just come in here and just chill out. <laughs> chill out. She said, look, here's a sandwich you'll do. Let's, look, the relationship is more important than what we're gonna eat. What are you, so, you, you need some peace in your life. And there are people this time of the year, man, just the stress factor gets amped up. And I'm just suggesting to you tonight, God offers his peace. And when you connect with your creator, all of a sudden, you you understand the value of what the Bible calls having peace with God. You know, everything between you and God is okay. That's why he said to the apostle, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'll come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Somebody says, where's heaven? I'll just tell you, it's wherever Jesus is. (laughs) It's out there somewhere, wherever he is. Thomas was skeptical and Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said, Thomas, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. It's not your religion, it's not your righteousness, it's not your ability to do the right thing. It is in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you have that relationship right, you experience peace with God. You and God are tight. (laughs) You can lay your head down at night knowing that if for some reason you wake up in heaven tomorrow, all is well between you and your Savior. Peace with God. Not only that, you have the peace of God. That's kind of what Paul talked about in Philippians 4. There are a lot of people that have peace with God, but they really don't have the peace of God. Life gets you stressed, problems get on your plate, All of a sudden, man, you forget the fact that, man, I'm going to heaven one day and my sins are forgiven. And and man, you know, this is the worst it's ever going to me. Why am I so stressed up about this thing? And Paul gives some insight in Philippians 4. He he said, if you want to maintain peace, if you really want to keep the peace God is giving you through the relationship you have with him, here are four essential things you've got to do. Number one, don't worry about anything. Worry about no thing. One translation has it, be anxious for nothing. You know why you shouldn't worry? Here's two reasons uh, why not to worry. Number one, don't worry about things you you can do something about. 
If you can do something about it, quit worrying about it and go fix it. <laughs> Here's the second thing. Don't worry about things you can't do anything about. If you can't fix it, why are you worried about it? <laughs> so Paul says, number one, to keep the peace God has given you, you have to get your mind to the place where you just don't worry. Now you say, easy for you to say, how do you pull that off? Well, he connects the idea in that same chapter, Philippians 4. He says, worry about nothing, but listen, but everything with prayer. Good advice for you tonight. Connect the thing you worry about with the thing you should pray about. You know what I found? I can't worry and pray about the same thing at the same time. So I'm suggesting next time your mind is filled with anxiety and you're worried about someone or you're worried about something, pray about them, pray about that. You say, Bill, I worry all the time. You're gonna be a prayer warrior then. <laughs> you're, gonna be, you're gonna be mighty in prayer. <laughs> Just remember, kind of cognizantly think about it. Man, I'm worried about this, I'm gonna pray about this. So track with me, worry about nothing, pray about everything. He said, then be thankful for all things. Developing this attitude of gratitude. Uh, have you ever realized that the root word for think and the root word for thank is the same thing? The, the, the root word for grace and the root word for gratitude is the same thing. So people who think are thankful and people who have experienced grace are grateful. So I'm just suggesting you, if I wanna keep the peace in my life, my home, I gotta learn how to, not to worry about everything. I gotta learn how to pray about things. I gotta learn how to be thankful for all things. Here's the fourth thing he said, I gotta learn how to think the right things. Remember he said if there's any virtue, if there's any praise, if there's anything good can come out of it, he said think on these things. You can control what you think about. It takes a conscious effort to do so, but you can control what you think about. I love what the late great Zig Ziglar used to say. He said, you gotta get rid of your stinking thinking. And to do that, you need to check up from the neck up. <laughs> because I'm suggesting to your heart tonight that the big battle goes right on in your head. That's where the battle is won or lost is in how you think. Let me give you something really deep. You're here tonight because you first of all thought about coming here. Isn't that deep? Isn't that profound? Wherever you leave and go to tonight, you will go there and get there because you first thought about it. What's my point? My point is you follow your thoughts. You go wherever your thoughts are. If the preponderance of your thoughts are negative, if the preponderance of your thought are cynical, if the preponderance of your thought are bad, then you're gonna drift in the direction of your thoughts. That's why the Bible says bring into captivity the wayward thoughts. That's why he says, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. You have to focus your thinking and you have to be careful of the things you dwell on. I said there were four things, there's actually five. <laughs> the idea of not worrying about anything, the idea about praying about everything, the idea about thinking on the right things, the idea of being thankful for all things. Here's the fifth one, it is the idea of doing the right thing. He says, do the right thing, do the right thing. I've shared this profound thought with you too, so let me give it to you again. Most people, when they end up doing what they shouldn't be doing, it is because they were not doing what they should have been doing. Isn't that deep? Here's what I found. I found if I will get up every day and do what I should do, I won't be doing what I shouldn't do. And God forbid, if I end up doing something I shouldn't be doing, it's because I wasn't doing something I should have been doing. So do what you should do and you won't do what you shouldn't do. 
It's a matter of just keeping yourself out of trouble. And he's simply saying, man, when you string this together, look at it in Philippians 4. When you string all that together, man, I'm not going to worry. I'm going to be grateful and pray. I'm going to think the right thoughts. I'm going to do the right things. Then look at the payoff there in verse 7, 8, and 9. He says, the God of peace will guard you, and the peace of God will guide you. He'll go before you. He'll clear the way. He'll make things go so much better for you. Look, guys, I pray that during this holiday season, if you haven't experienced his peace, you will. And I pray tonight that God will bless your family and give you just an incredible amount of his presence and his peace as we celebrate his birth. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you tonight for your peace that passes all understanding. Thank you, Father, that you are the God who can give peace to a troubled soul. Help us to realize that sometimes peace comes not in the absence of a storm or the absence of a battle, but sometimes your peace comes in the middle of a storm, in the middle of a battle. So help us, Lord, to walk with you in such a way that we experience your peace. I pray for my friends tonight, some watching online, who have never really experienced the peace that passes all understanding. They've had a little quick fix and they've had the short-term buzz, but they've never really had lasting peace. I pray tonight they'll seriously consider connecting with their creator. This incredible Christmas season, I pray they would just humble their hearts as the shepherds did so many years ago and bow in your presence and say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, forgive my sin. I need you and I need your peace. And Father, I pray you will strengthen and encourage every life in this room. Thank you, Lord, that you love all of us. Thank you that you love each one of us. Thank you, Father, your peace is available to us. And now as we prepare, Father, to honor you and to worship you through communion, I pray that you'll make us cognizant of the significance of this worship how you came into this world for the express purpose of taking our sins to the cross, how you were the child born so that you might be the son given. So bless as we receive the elements and I pray for the bread. I pray you'll bless it. I pray for the drink that you'll bless it and that we'll walk out of this room in a few moments closer to you than we've ever been before, sharing your love and your light with a world that desperately needs you. And God will give you thanks and we'll give you praise. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.